0: The Penguins got blasted by the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday night and on today's episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast, Pat and I are going to briefly recap that game plus get you all set for Monday night showdown against the Wild.
1: You're Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Hello welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by the best co-host in the world, Patrick Damp. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow Pat on Twitter at for Wet, and you can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore penguins, of course. Thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. And finally, today's episode is brought to you by GameTime, download GameTime app, create an account and use code NHL for $20 off your first purchase. So the Penguins got absolutely destroyed by the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday night, a game that was over by the end of the first period. Seven, nothing was the final. Everyone that watched the game knows that. And if you watched that entire game, I commend you. I really do. If you stayed up to watch that entire ass kicking, because that that's what this was. And I kind of felt like from the opening puck drop, the Penguins did not have it. They gave up that first goal, not even two minutes into the game. To Matthew Nyes and Ryan Graves got absolutely toasted by Nyes on that play, and he's had another really bad game. We'll get to that a little bit later. But this was not an acceptable effort by the Penguins, especially after the way they played against Arizona and Montreal, with where they are in the standings. You cannot afford to have duds like this at this point in the season. You can't afford to do win-win loss or loss, two and two, like for example, for a game stretch. You can't do win-loss, win-loss in general there, too. You need to be able to string together some big winning streaks, and the Penguins are not doing that right now. They had a golden opportunity going into this game. Austin Matthews was hurt. Excuse me, he's not hurt. He was sick with the flu. Other members of the Maple Leafs also were sick with the flu, and that didn't matter. The Penguins still got their butts whooped in this game. Not a good performance at all, and it's just... At this point in the year with where they are in the standings, you can't have games like this. You can't be throwing away points and not showing up for games. Even if it's against a Maple Leafs team, that's still one of the best teams in the league.
1: I want to start here because I don't want what I'm about to say to get misconstrued. The Penguins got their asses kicked on Saturday night. 7 nothing. no matter which way you cut it, no matter which type of copium you cut that drug with. It's a 7 nothing loss and it's an ass kicking. But it should be a wake-up call, and it's not the wake-up call I think everybody wants me to say it should be, where everybody needs fired, and everybody needs traded, and you need to start over again, because it's not that bad. Because if you go look at all of the stats, both the top line, basic statistics, and then dive into the analytics, it was a fairly evenly played game. Penguins outshot them, Penguins outhit them, Penguins did pretty well on the PK, penguins uh if you go into the actual analytics of it the possession numbers are fairly even if you look at the way the game was played at 5 on 5 again fairly even game the wake up call that they need is to understand exactly what i said on this show on friday this is not a team in the toronto maple leafs that you can trade chances with you cannot play fire wagon hockey against the Toronto Maple Leafs because you will lose. And as an aside, I get it. I am a fan. I always have been. I always will be. I'm not going to put the blue and red lights on and be the fan police here, but genuinely hilarious to me that the Toronto crowd started chanting at Dubas. He's responsible for 85% of that team that boat raced the penguins on Saturday night. So, you know, jeer at your own peril because the guy you have now has signed uh, Ryan Reeves and Klingberg, who have kind of stunk. But anyway, I digress. Here's the problem. All those stats and all those things uh, uh, aside, the worst stat five on five for this team in this game was that the Penguins surrendered 15 high danger chances at even strength. The Toronto Maple Leafs are a team of finishers and the penguins aren't anymore. And that's not an indictment on the penguins. It's just not how this roster is built half because who Kyle Dubas brought in, in the off season half because we're still dealing with the fallout from the Ron Hextall era. So this is a wake up call to this roster that when Mike Sullivan tells you to play a more disciplined system, you have to play it or these results are going to continue. And I know a bunch of people hear me say that and they think, oh, you got to get rid of the coach. They're not listening to him. They're not listening to him. Two things on that. One, there's really nobody else out there who's going to do better. Two, if you want this team to become the 2010s New York Islanders, the early 2000s New Jersey Devils, that's what they're going to become with a new coach because there is always and forever an overcorrection when you fire a coach. And the overcorrection, should they fire Sullivan and his staff, will be somebody who tells them to play defense first, and this will not be a good hockey team nor a fun hockey team to watch. So just keep that in mind. And we've seen them
0: kind of be like a hybrid at times this year. The Colorado game, they were able to get offense and, oh, play good defensively in their own zone. Same against Washington, same against Vegas. We can keep going down the list a little bit. Those are just the three that come to mind right away. We've seen them play really good defensively this year, but then it'll just go away in a game against the Maple Leafs, especially without Austin Matthews. And here's another stat for you from this game. The Penguins allowed a season-high 13 odd-man rushes in this game against Toronto and 11 rush chances. That comes courtesy of Mike Kelly. That's not acceptable. It's not. That's not good defensive hockey. You are not going to win playing that way against, I honestly, any team in the league, even the worst team in the league right now, the Sharks, the Ducks, even the Blackhawks, who have, the Penguins obviously lost to start the year. You're not going to win games if you're giving up double-digit odd man rushes in games. And here's another thing: know what They that is? didn't allow double-digit rush chances once in their first 17 games. They've allowed double-digit rush chances in five times in their last 12 games. That also
1: comes courtesy of Mike Kelly. He's a great follow, by the way, on Hockey Twitter. That's not acceptable, Pat. It's not. And you know what that is? That's not a system or coaching problem. That's a hockey IQ problem. That is, that is a thing that you put squarely on the player. And I get it. In moments like that, everybody wants to blame a coach. I totally understand. But that is there is no coach out there who is going to tell defensemen to take reckless pinches. Aside from when you are trailing late in a game and they go with the mentality of losing by two is the same as losing by one. So take your chances and do what you got to do to try to get this game back to even. But... That's a hockey IQ problem. You have to be smarter. You have to be better situationally. And you have to understand a pinch in those situations or going too deep on the forecheck in those situations is going to lead to bad outcomes. You have to play smarter.
0: Right. Right. I honestly don't think I have too much else to add about this game. The Penguins got their butts kicked, people. I mean, this was a stinker. You knew right away that this was not going to be a good game with the way the Maple Leafs came out, and especially the way Penguins came out. Tristan Jari stood no chance starting this game. He got pulled. Adeltovich didn't do much better. No one had a good game here. Everyone, if you look at the hockey stats cards, everyone was in the negative differential except for John Ludwig and P.O. Joseph. And speaking of P.O. Joseph, it looks like he may not be playing on Monday night, which is a joke. In my opinion, I don't know why he's coming off the bottom pairing. I don't try to get mad about that, but I think it's kind of dumb a little bit. And we're going to be discussing that game on Monday against the Wild coming up in the second segment. And why, John Hines, I will see you, or I'll send you to the Shadow Realm, actually, for the move that you just pulled for not starting Mark andre Fleury in this game. But that's coming up in the second segment. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about game time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. GameTime is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last minute deals, all in prices, views and receipt, and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. You can see the view from receipt before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total up front. So you know you're getting a great deal without the hidden fees. You can also buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time, dial the Game Time app account and use code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms supply again, create account and redeem code Locked On NHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we're right here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by my co host, Patrick Dam. So, Pat, Penguins Wild, Monday night at PBG Paints Arena. This is a wild team that has really struggled this season, though they have won three in a row in seven of the last 10. But still, you look at their record right now seventh in the Central, 12 and 12 and four. They're behind the Blues, who just fired their head coach, and the Wild are also a team that fired their coach. Dean Evison is no longer their head coach. John Hines is now the head coach there, and he plays a more Defensive-minded system compared to Everson, I would say. Hines did the same thing in New Jersey. He also did the same thing in Nashville. Despite the Wilds' not good start to the season, similar to the Penguins, this is still a team that has quite a bit of talent. Matt Zucurell had a really good year, six goals, 28 points in 28 games, really strong playmaker. Kirill Kaprizov, who is a deadly sniper and playmaker, 24 points in 28 games. Joel Eriksson, he's one of their best centers, if not their best center, I should say. 14 goals, 20 points in 28 games. Matt Boldy's had a solid year. Marco Rossi's been really solid. Ryan Hartman. This is still a team that has quite a bit of talent. In my opinion, it starts with Kaprizov, Zuccarello, all the other players I mentioned. This is still a game that the Penguins cannot take lightly, especially when they need to start stringing some results together here. But still, this is a game that the Penguins can definitely have against a wild team that I expected more out of this year. I thought they would be a surefire top three team in the central, but it has been anything but an uh, ease for them this year.
1: Yeah, it's been a tough, it's been a tough start to the season. I think a lot of that too is that th- when you have a guy like Joel Erickson Eck with 14 goals in 28 games, and it's a surprise that he's your leading goal scorer. It should be a compliment to the Matt Zuccarellos and Kirill Kaprizovs of the world. He should be pacing, keeping pace with them, if not beating them a little bit. But then you compare it, and Zuccarello and Kaprizov in the same amount of games played. Kaprizov has eight goals, Zuccarello has six. And that this is a case of a team that's not getting the great, the kind of effort it needs from its top players. Now, that's not to say that they've been bad. Because, like you said, 28 and 24 points respectively for Zuccarello and Caprizov, which is real, which is pretty good. Because, you know, for Zuccarello, it's a point per game. But, you know, you want to see those guys scoring more, you want to see them putting up more goals. And then you go to the standings and you look at where they are. They're five or four points out of a playoff spot compared to the Penguins, who are five points out. But I digress. You know, it's a team with a minus five goal differential. They're, They're struggling to score, and they're not doing the best at keeping them out of the net. And it's there's, and that doesn't even get into that they're having off ice issues right now. They fired a coach, Bill Guerin's under investigation, and you know I'm not going to dive into any of that if there's been plenty of reporting. But you know that also doesn't even talk about the fact that this team has nearly. $15 $15 million in dead cap space because they bought out Parise and Suter, which was un- it was totally understandable. They-, they were past their prime. It was time to move on. It was time to hit the reset button as a franchise, but they never really bottomed out. They never really did anything to truly rebuild. And they're stuck in this mushy middle right now. They definitely could use that cap space, if they were able to have it, to improve
0: and get some more talent to surround Zuccarello and Kaprizov. I just don't think Billy Guerin has done as good of a job as maybe he could have by now to improve this team, even with the cap recaptures because of Suter and Parise. But it's just been a struggle all year for this hockey team. And it looks like it's going to be Philip Gustafson and Net for the Wild tonight. You know what, John Hines? Screw you, man. Screw you, for that. I don't know. He said to the media, this was the plan all along. They play Boston coming up right after this game. I get it. But you know what? This would have been a perfect storybook final game for Flower in Pittsburgh. Maybe he doesn't like playing against his former teammates, something like that. At least he's going to be in the building, which will be great. But man, I wanted to see him start one last time. If this is it, one last time in Pittsburgh with everything he has accomplished. For the Penguins, they obviously don't win those Stanley Cups without him. Even though he barely started a game in the 2016 run, he was great during the regular season. They don't get to the playoffs without him, especially with the way they started that earlier that season before Mike Sullivan took over. It just stinks that he's not going to be starting this game and it'll be Gustafson.
1: Yeah, but again, you know, this is the other thing is, uh, one, outside of his first return when he was with Vegas, he, he has gotten lit up by the Penguins. Whether whether it's just circumstance or he just has that mental block of not being able to play against his former team, yeah. If he doesn't like it, I don't blame him because he's not good in Pittsburgh, so it makes sense. The other thing is he hasn't been great this year. He's started ten games. He's got a four and five, four five and two record. Uh well, 4, 5, and 2 because he started and came in in relief for one game. But he's got a 329 save, or goals against average and an 886 save percentage. He's struggling this year. And like we were saying prior to the idea of him starting, this is a wild team that has to do something. They have to win because, like we said, not only did they never really bottom out, they made moves that showed they want to contend. They fired yeah. a coach. And and that's the other thing. They fired a coach and brought in John Hines, and that's usually the last bullet a general manager gets to fire before they're on the hot seat. So now, Bill Guerin's team needs to at least make the playoffs. You know, I don't think anybody's penciling the Minnesota Wild in to come out of the West, and nor should But this is a team that's got to make it to the postseason, and. Playing a Pittsburgh team that for all its warts and fault, faults can still still play some solid offense. You have to play your better goalie. And just real quick, before we get into some of the things the Penguins need to do tonight, you know, the topic of garen and this team needing to rebuild but not doing it, just go look at their cap friendly right now, man. Aside from the dead cap space, they handed out a four point one two five million dollar extension to Matt Zuccarello, a four million dollar extension to Marcus Felino a $4 million extension to Ryan Hartman. And all those kick in next year. Yeah, And listen, they got Kaprizov locked up for the next two years, but they've got Matthew Boldy locked up for several more years. And I look at this team and I think, yeah, there's some talent there, but I don't know if there's anybody aside from Kaprizov that you really build around.
0: He's the main game-breaker, I would say, for the Wild. But outside of him, I don't feel like that team truly has a game-breaking superstar. They need another big-time player to surround it with. And don't get me wrong, I think Zuccarello is a good player. Boldy is good. Eriksson is a really solid two-way center. But are those guys game-breakers or superstars? No, and that's where I think the Wild need to find one at some point over the next year or two to help out Capri Southamol. And just going back to Marc-Andre Florey in all seriousness here. I understand them wanting to go to Gustafson for this game. They need the two points, and he's been the better goalie. He has saved about three goals above expected this year, 9.08 save percentage, 2.84 goals against average. Fine average numbers compared to what you said for Flurry, But I will say this for Flurry: If this is his last game in Pittsburgh, his last time being in this building, I hope everyone that goes tonight gives him a standing ovation that he deserves because everything that he accomplished while he was a member of the Penguins was extraordinary. I think he's the best goaltender in franchise history. I will die on that hill. It's close, but I I will die on that hill for Marc-Andre Fleury, for him to be the best goaltender in this franchise's history. And everything he did in 2008, with how great he took them to the the final that year, 09 with the save on Lidstrom and everything else that year. I know he had his struggles after that. Don't get me wrong. He cost the Penguins, I think, multiple times, from 2010 to about 2013, 14 was great in 2016. I'll always say in 2017, he started that run. Murray finished it. It was the right call to go to Murray at the perfectly right time. And I know it ended after that, but overall his tenure here was a beautiful success. I think he's the best goaltender in franchise history. And if this is it for Flower in terms of coming to PBG Paints Arena, I hope everyone gives him a rocking ovation because
1: he deserves it. I mean, I have to disagree with you. I don't think it's close. I think he is the greatest goalie to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the team history. Just, and I'll say this: I mean, if you follow
0: Brasso because of everything he did, but go yeah.
1: ahead. I mean, if you follow, if you followed me on social media, if you followed my work, you know that I've been labeled and branded a hater of Mark Andre Fleury, and it's totally a fair. It's a fair label to put upon me just because of the way I talked about him post expansion draft. This is how I look at it, is it. it is a great history that has complications. You're spot on. They do not win the Stanley Cup in 2017 without Marc-Andre Fleury. More specifically, they don't beat Washington with Marc-Andre Fleury. They, they got their ass. Wow. just They got their asses handed to them more often than not in that series. Yes. And he was the difference. So, and again, I say this phrase on the podcast all the time because it's one of my favorites. Beachfront property in my heart because he was the first piece for this era of Penguins hockey. Absolutely. He got it started, and he I, I think he had a legitimate case in two thousand eight to win the uh con Smythe, a la Sebastian jaguar in two thousand three because the again the Penguins got their asses handed to them by Detroit in the two thousand eight final, and he was the only reason they didn't get swept. And but then you know I say this about him all the time, and I think it's a fair critique from about twenty eleven until 2016 he was not the reason they did not win a stanley cup in that period but he certainly did not help now i love the guy he is one of the better characters in the history of this franchise and it's a franchise that has had some characters in its day and he's just a genuinely great human being and i agree this is probably his last stop in pittsburgh before he signs a one-day contract and retires as a Pittsburgh Penguin. And 29 is going to be up in the rafters with 87, 66, 68, 58, and 71 one day. You you
0: think he'll be you think his number will be retired?
1: Absolutely. Okay. He wins three Stanley Cups with the franchise, and two of them he was. I know
0: people are very stingy about that. And I, I am too. I don't like to have too many numbers retired. I would probably lean towards doing it considering what he's accomplished, but I also will understand arguments from the other side, just because
1: of how pe- stingy people are, but go ahead. Last two things on that one. I think 29 is also informally retired because nobody has worn it since he left. And it's been quite a few years. And speaking of you got me last episode with the world juniors trivia question. I've got a Mark Andre Fleury related trivia question. Speaking of number 29, can you name the last player, to wear number 29 before Marc-Andre Fleury did. Wow. Mm. I'll give you this hint. It was a skater. It was not a goalie. Skater. I feel like I should know this, but I'm probably not gonna get it thinking here, though. Mm. Last hint you get, it was not Phil Bork. I actually don't know. It was the man that we called free candy Brooks pick before he switched to forty four, oh. he wore twenty nine. I can't believe I, I should have had that. I, I brain farted there. Oh,
0: that makes me mad that I didn't get that, man. That's a great. That's a great trivia question, though, because I almost forgot that he used to wear twenty. I, I mean, I basically did forget that he used to wear yeah. twenty nine, but that's that's good. I mean, overall, again, man, back to the overall point. I'm super excited that he's back here. It just Stinks that he's not going to be starting overall, but again, I, I get the decision from John Hines with where their season is at, but hopefully everyone that is in attendance tonight give him the ovation that he very much deserves. But that'll do it for this second segment. Coming up to end the show, Pat and I are going to get into some of the roster moves that the Penguins made heading into this game, a few players that could come back from injury, plus some changes to the defensive pairings that we saw during practice on Sunday. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on Fandle. Right now, new customers get $150 of bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit fanduelcom slash and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. L. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins Podcast. I am one of your hosts, on our hoodies, joined by my co-host Patrick Damp. So Penguins practiced briefly on Sunday after they came back from Toronto on Saturday night into Sunday morning. And Mike Sullivan made some changes to some of the lines and especially the defensive pairings. Marcus Pedersen was with Chris Letang. and Ryan Graves was with Eric Carlson, and also P.O. Joseph comes out for Chad Riedel, and he's he was with John Ludwig. I don't understand these changes. It honestly seems like Mike Sullivan is making changes for the sake of making changes. It's funny. Before the season, I was all about Pedersen being paired up with Letang because I think he's better than Graves, but based on how Pedersen has done with Carlson, now I don't like that move, and especially with how Ryan Graves has played this year, I don't like this either because he's not going to be that defensive presence that Carlson needs on his pairing. In my opinion, I think what the Penguins should do here is send Graves down to the bottom pairing and move POJ up to play with Chris Tang and keep Patterson Carlson. That's what I would do. Mike Sullivan doesn't agree with me. I'm not the head coach. I don't, I'm not qualified to be the head coach of this team here, people, but that's just me for my opinion, for what I would do for the defensive pairings. But I I don't get why Graves is with Carlson. That has the makings of a disastrous pairing.
1: Yeah. That's my biggest problem is Graves Carlson, because I don't think Graves has been as big of a disaster as a lot of people do, but I acknowledge that he has not been good. He's stung on
0: Saturday.
1: And if you are going to to play with Eric Carlson, it is playing with Chris Letang on steroids because he is going to jump into the play. He is going to pinch. He is going to take risks and his partner damn well better be rock solid. And Marcus Pedersen, has been rock solid this year. That doesn't even get into the chemistry that those two have created together as a pairing, which has been tremendous. I, in the one other thing I, I, you know, before people pull out the tank of gasoline and pour it all over themselves and light their hair on fire, listen, Ludwig, Ruweedle, POJ, Ryan Shea, put them in a blender, shake it up. They're, they're different flavors of the same thing. Like, I, I don't understand why Mike Sullivan has such a short leash on POJ. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But what I don't under what I what I also uh, acknowledge is that he has been thoroughly unimpressive. It's not like they're losing a lot by taking him out of the lineup. I would like to see him get the chance to do it, but overall he hasn't exactly blown anybody away this year. I agree with that idea of just do Graves and POJ on the bottom pairing because it's this again, I just said it, it's different flavors of the same thing. These are two guys who have underwhelmed and unimp- been unimpressive with the Penguins so far this year. So, why not figure it out between them? And if they stink, change it. But doing this in the top four defense for the top four defensemen is absurd because. Pedersen Carlson has been one of the best defensive pairings in the league this year. And you just broke it up and gave one of your most underwhelming and unimpressive defensemen to the guy who's probably been your best defenseman all year. And he's not a Mr. Fix it. Eric Carlson never has been. And I
0: try not to get too upset about the third pairing. It's the pairing that plays the least out of all the pairings in your lineup. But Still, I mean, my opinion, I would rather have Graves and Ludwig on that third pairing and then move POJ up, honestly, just because I think he's been playing better than Graves recently. Now, that might be a hot take to some people. I get it. If you want to ratio me for that, you can go right ahead. I thought POJ has been fine these last few games. I just don't see why he's coming out of the lineup for Chad Riedel, who, let's face it, I don't think he's been good this year. John Ludwig, he's been fine. I mean, he was probably one of the better defensemen in that game against Toronto, but that's not saying much because the whole team stunk in that game. At least he brings a physical element. And if the team lacks a little bit, he can move the puck up the ice a little bit, but it's funny. POJ has better underlying numbers than both him and Riedel this year. So taking him out of the lineup again, I'm not like too mad online about it, if that's what you want to call it, but it's just still a little bit of a puzzling decision from Mike Sullivan. If he ends up doing that other injury news for tonight, it looks like Ricard Raquel is going to play. I know we probably teased it a little too early for that game against Toronto, but Raquel is a game time decision in this one, had another full practice practiced in the top six was on the power play. I think he's going to play in this one, but we'll have to see. Nolachari is also a game-time decision. We'll have to see if he goes. That would be big for the penalty kill. And then Chad Riedel, he's a game-time decision based on these last couple practices. It looks like he might be in over POJ and can be playing with John Ludwig. So at least team is getting a bit healthier right now. And with Raquel, we discussed on Friday, hopefully his return sparks some confidence for him and he can put, start putting a few pucks in the back of the net to get back to the level that we saw him play at last year.
1: Yeah, uh, I also, you know, I think Valtteri Pustinen has made his way into the lineup. I don't know if he's quite a regular yet. I don't know if he's somebody that you're going to keep here for a while. But I've been fairly impressed by the way he's played. Just because he hasn't made any big young guy mistakes yet. And he seems very comfortable in a top six role. Do I think he's going to be the next big thing? Probably not. but. He has not looked at all out of place in the top six, and I think he may have won himself a spot over the last couple of weeks.
0: He may have. I only caution you and everyone else on this just because you see this, I feel like decently often with players from Wilkesbury. They come up, have four to five, six really strong games with the Penguins, and then they kind of trail off. For example, Redeem's a Horner, right? He came up. Gave the third line a spark those first four to five to six games. But where has he been the last month to five weeks? He's been invisible. And honestly, in my opinion, I don't think he's looked like an NHL player at times. That play that he had early in that game against Toronto, he had two opportunities to clear the puck and just didn't. And then he went for a skate around the net when there was no need to do that. That's not a play that an NHL player makes in this day and age. It's just not. Drew O'Connor, I mean, I think he's been improving these last couple of weeks, but he had a really bad game against Toronto on Saturday. I still think he's an NHL player, but again, with Zohorna, he just hasn't been there for the last month to five weeks. And I, I want to see him get back to that, but it's just, it's hard to, I guess, keep that consistency when you come from Wilkesbury You know, you can talk about Jonathan Good and all these other guys that have come from Wilkesbury as well. I just want to see more of it on a consistent basis. I don't need to see someone be like Brian Rust who lights the league on fire coming from Wilkes-Barre or even Jake Ensel, but maybe somewhere in between that and what we've seen maybe from Zahorna or the typical HL call-up where you're not just coming
1: up and providing a a spark for a week. I also think it's a bit of a tough comparison to disagree with you a little bit. Like the type of games Zahorna needed to play, he hasn't been playing. He has not been good on the four check. He has not been very physical. He hasn't done very well defensively. Meanwhile, Valtteri Pustin more of a goal scorer playmaking type of player, and he's fit in pretty well in the top six. Now it, that's, that's the rub though, is that he's fit in pretty well. He hasn't come in and made a huge case to be full time. I think he's earned himself an extended look is that's what fair. I'm saying. I don't think he is an answer yet. He could very well be, if he starts producing and continues to play well, but I think there's a little bit of apples to oranges here because it's two different styles of play for two different parts of the lineup.
0: Yeah, I wasn't trying to compare their styles of play just to the point where you come in from wilkes provide a spark, but then you're nowhere to be seen. I just don't want that same situation to happen to Pustin, who, again, I know is a completely different player. He brings more offense than I think Zahorna does. Defensively, though, maybe Zahorna brings more value there, but just wanted to make, that overall comparison, I, I, but I totally get what you're saying, though. I, I get yeah. it for sure. But I think that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to slash watching this one. Pat and I will be back with another episode for you all on Tuesday to recap this game against Minnesota, plus get you all set for the action later this week, especially on Thursday against the Carolina Hurricanes. That is a massive game for this team. But until then, thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll talk with you all on Tuesday.